Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. It's episode six of the season. Uh, we haven't done a pod since the uh, 25th of October. It's been a while and now it's nearly Christmas and time is flying and everyone's emotional and, you know, who have we got on today? You've got me, James. We've got Jack. Hi, Jack. Hello, James. Got John. Hi, John. <laughs> Hi, James. Here. Ready to go. Uh, I feel <laughs> like I need a intro segment. Um, Jack, have you done any Christmas shopping? No. Okay, John. I, well, I've only just had my birthday, so I always I'm very slow into the Christmas kind of rally to get stuff done. It's not all about you though, Jack. This time of year, it is until my birthday's been. Okay, happy birthday. When was Thank it? Yeah, uh, last week. But cool. Let you off. Good. <laughs> was it a big one? Uh, bigger than last year. <laughs> very good. Well, I had COVID on my birthday last year. I didn't have it this year, so. All right. There we go. Anyway. Low expectations. Yeah. John, any Christmas shopping? Brutally efficient. Done a lot of it. But then keep hovering over the, do I ask for any merch? Or do I just do my usual wait till the sale routine? Yeah. I just, you know. It's training training kit just lures me. I don't know why. You do like a training kit. Yeah. So we haven't done a pod since um, the one-all draw with Pompey. Yeah, let's Jack. just keep let's just keep saying that. Really. Jack, who who scored that day? <laughs> <laughs> who got sent off that day, John? It's oh, Grogan to... scored, didn't he? That volley from Odonka's knockdown. That's the one. It was a great goal, wasn't it? And then Bowden got sent off. But it, it feels like it was last season. This it's is like that game where it's like we take turns to name who was in the lineup, and it's really yeah. like painfully bad because you can't remember like the lineup from like two years ago. And then in the last pod, we were we were talking about Crawley, where Crawley was, and Gatwick Airport, and spending with someone abuse. We got a lot of audience participation, didn't we? Feedback about our lack of geography knowledge. Spenny Moore came up. I think John, you were. Yeah, I, I thought I'd issued a public apology to the people of Spenny Moore before, but I'll do it. One again. of our listeners in for listening. But we were we weren't too bad on Sussex or Surrey or wherever it was, which yeah doesn't doesn't help with the whole. <laughs> I, I remember I remember looking up Gatwick was on the border so I think we were actually in the right anyway um uh, anyway guys you enjoying the world cup I feel like we should just quickly mention it Jack you like to follow England around sometimes yeah I'm actually enjoying the world cup much more than I thought I would I think it kind of crept up didn't it being this time of year and um, there's actually been some really good games and the two today have been pretty good watches as well so yeah I I'm had- not not confident for the weekend, but I hate Portugal so much. Like I hate seeing them do anything remotely good. I don't know. Yeah, why. I've got a number of kind of people you wouldn't mind being Just... hit by a bus playing for them. Yeah, John, who have you particularly enjoyed? Croatia's midfield, absolutely drooling over that. Um, I'd love. I just. I don't think they've got the firepower to go much further, but I do like. Kovacic, Brozovic. I do uh, love Modric. Kovacic is is a dreamy player. I'd like him at Oxford one day. That'd be good. Yeah, the Um, Argentinians are looking a bit more like they've got their proverbial together a little bit more than usual. Yeah. Is it coming home, Jack? No. John? Maybe. I think I think it's I think it's almost home. There's there's no there's no reason why not. We've got creative player, genuinely creative players. And we've got solid players everywhere else. There's no reason why it couldn't. I think that's the the best, I, most optimistic place to be. Do you not think? I I honestly think that midfield, um, 
is the best three. That Henderson, Bellingham and Rice is like the most balanced three we've had in the midfield for so long. And Belly, I just can't get over. I know it's it's boring because everyone's talking about it, but my God, 19 years old. He's absolutely unbelievable. It's, but, it's, how, it's how the how the pros talk about players like that that kind of tells you where he's at or whether they play like that he's at. Yeah. Jude Bellingham is putting in the kind of performance that I'd hoped we would see Marcus McGuain do in the role he is playing. Great segue back but to he's, But he's United. not playing in the role that we want Marcus McGuain to... Bellingham is playing further forward. Which, where, uh, which... Oh, sorry, that is the point, yeah. So, carry on. On board with that opinion. Basically, we should sign Jude Bellingham and play him where we think we should play <laughs> McGuain. Or, cheaper version, get McGuain to watch videos of Bellingham. Just do that, Marcus, for fuck's sake. <laughs> anyway, sorry, swears, bad. Um, right, we we just keep drawing games one all. We'll get on to that. But we, how many games have we got since? So we beat Bolton, that was good. We'll talk a bit about that maybe. We've had Fleetwood, Shrewsbury, Port Vale, Forest Green, Aki Stanley. Jack, you were saying yesterday, and we'll get on to this, but if we converted two of those pesky one-alls into wins, we'd be two points from the playoffs, which seems absolutely ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it probably sums up the league. Apart from the top three, I think, who are a good way clear of fourth. I think that's the right way around. Um, everyone else seems to be not particularly kind of flying away. I think Derby have had a few games unbeaten, but again, keep drawing games. So... As much as we're, is it nine games and beating our competitions? We've not pulled back to the playoffs because we keep drawing. And, yeah. you know, we're, if we don't start putting wins on the board, this season will quickly filter away. It, it works both ways as well, doesn't it? If you're going to start talking like that, you could say, well, if we lost one of the games we won, then this run looks like crap. So it doesn't, I don't know. So well, I, I, I'm, I'm always one of the people who sits, I'd rather win one, lose one, than draw three kind of thing. Yeah. Um, right, let's do news, then we'll talk a bit about some of the games. Um, won't dwell too much on them. It's been that long, uh, John, that we haven't talked about Stevie Kinnebra coming on board. You, you've been sharing the air, airwaves, airwaves with him at times, but good move for the club. He talks passionately, sometimes very honestly and brutally, to the point where I was surprised KR was um, so pleased in his comments. Yeah, I'd be interested if he was a sort of one step closer to um, the, the manager in terms of his position, how that re- relationship would work. But um, no, it's a great, it's great to bring him back, and it's a hell of a testament to the draw that he's prepared to relocate from Scotland in what deemed looked on paper to be a decent job with the Scottish FA or equivalent of, and he clearly really cares about the club. And um, so, yeah, absolutely, why not? have him there and um yeah shame we won't get his sort of brutal opinions on yeah the radio anymore yeah that is a shame isn't it jack i think like of all of the the pundits include ourselves in it he kind of did give that lower level bit of insight on what you know what it can be like and sometimes just calling stuff out how it needed to be called out so do you reckon kr's just um put a blocker on that by getting him in who knows well it's quite an interesting the whole situation is quite interesting because obviously we've talked about it before and that he played like 30 games for us or something 
um, has ended up as like the number one pundit for the local radio. And then from that has um, come through to be head of academy, whereas we've had players who've played hundreds of games of us, not got on the radio, don't get anywhere near the coaching side of things. Um, yeah. Didn't you have to be a fullback to get on that? Kind of well, yeah, the, wasn't it the that Ben Perkis or Anthony Tomkin will become the director of football at some point? And who knows? It, it always struck me when we did when Kinneber was on this pod, a line he said about how he was like how hard it is to be a professional footballer to do all the right sort of training to be good at it. And I mean that's clearly true, but I think to have someone who kind of knows that to kind of be on the cusp of making it and probably you know didn't quite make it to a certain degree. Um, will be fantastic for younger players because you know the the stats of how many make it are so low. Yeah. So you'll get those fundamentals drilled in pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I try to trust that he's gonna he's gonna do a good job, and I think it's great the club's got him in. Um. By the way, did you guys listen to the Beano pod? Before I forget. Yeah, I've listened to a few of them. Not not quite finished it. I've got the sort of why we left Oxford one, which I guess will be a bit emotional. Yeah, Jack, have you finished finished them up? Yeah, I've finished it now. I think it's the best. I mean, it helps that they've done it as a series, but it's the best pod he's done to reveal as much as he has done because he's done a number of kind of yeah, off the cuff ones with different kind of one off areas. But the amount of detail that they've got him to go into, and he's been totally honest. And maybe you know we're a number of years after everything now, so he can speak a lot more freer. But I thought as a going into the history of that entire time of his time at the club was was a really good listen. Yeah, it was quite saddening though, wasn't it? Understanding a bit more about what he kind of had to go through and his desperation to stay at the club and kind of being sidelined when he didn't really, what didn't seem justified. Um, and it's quite, it's quite difficult to hear it. And it was a time when, for some of it, when social media wasn't as prevalent, right? And um I don't know. It was just a bit. It was a bit of a shame. I was. I listened to the last one this morning. It, where he was talking about they offered him a one-year deal on like thirty, forty percent reduced salary, and then easily came in, matched his current wage on a three-year deal. And it's just that seems absolutely bonkers, considering he was twenty-eight, twenty-nine, or something. Um, but he. I thought he spoke really well. That's the thing. I thought it was just all really well done. And I, yeah, I just, I just really like with. Certainly, a lot of these podcasts, typically with lower league players, is you really get across the realities of how football clubs are run, how football works. It's still a great thing to be doing, and then and they never kind of say, "Oh, it was miserable, miserable or anything." But you can just tell that the club was in a place where it still had to be pretty brutal about how it was run. It was obviously under Kasam, who was kind of going to always going to be running it in a in yeah. a certain way, and it's just that thing of even though he was loved by us and all that sort of stuff within the club, he he probably made other things more difficult by different, different decisions, which we all glad he made and all that sort of thing. So it's just interesting to see, get an insight into where the club was and you, you'd think it's in a different place. Now it wasn't a bad place under Wilder for obviously for lots of the, the period, but you get an insight into him as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Right, FA Cup run, Jack. We obviously had Woking away, um, which many of us kind of managed to watch on some horrendous stream with all sorts of nonsense popping up all, all around the, <laughs> the the website, if I remember correctly. Um, 
I think we all found our match in our respective locations that day, which was great. Um, but then we went on to Exeter and then we put another four goals past them. But then Arsenal at home in the FA Cup on a Monday night. Jack, how do, are you excited about the draw? Would you have rather had a Boreham Wood? Are they still in it? They are know. They are still in it. Um, I'd rather have had Arsenal away. Yeah, but what, train strikes on crap might have made it extremely frustrating. But I suppose you find a way, don't you, if you need to? Yeah, it's just... Yeah, I, I think it's one of them and that you, you snap your hand off for a, a big club. The Monday night factor softens it a bit because it makes it harder. I think being at home makes it harder because the amount of seats we lose through segregation and disabled spaces and all the rest of it. So you end up with less than 10,000 home fans. So it's never quite as big a money earner as we hope it might be. Yeah. That being said, I have bought my ticket and I'm going to work out how on earth I do it. Um, so, you know, I think having done the Man City Cup games, it's always nice to just to even to see, even if it's Arsenal's reserve team, see some of the potential future players coming through. And I think Robinson will, will give it a good go, as we always do. So um, I just hope it doesn't become a bit of a distraction as we hit the new year. I think it's a good thing, regardless. I don't know, John. John, what's your prediction? If you have to call it now. I think we'll get creamed. But... <laughs> um, we could bet Arsenal are in such a different place these days. I mean, they're literally top of the Premier League. Yeah, but they will be by that game. By the so the, the confidence will be right through it, through the team. It, you know, whoever comes in will be fine. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a good chance to hopefully show the sort of stuff we can do. There'll be quite a few players that will like playing in that sort of game. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is where McGwain gets his revenge on Arsenal, letting him go, and where Steve Seddon gets his Premier League move after a wonderful... Yeah, and Anderson, and Anderson gets even more you know, <laughs> sort of chance to shine and do some more rangy stuff. Exactly. Okay, well, I still think it, was, it could have been worse. I'm still one that just wants a crappy team and just get as far through the competition as you possibly can. Um, but I would have liked Arsenal away. That would have been a good experience. Um, then what, what's happened this week stadium news has been the latest kind of thing I've never seen so many people getting their own version of Google Maps and screenshotting and then drawing a triangle and trying to fit a to scale Kassam or whatever other stadium in the in said triangle um, it, uh, John what, what are your kind of thoughts on this the club's statement was actually pretty brief and I was thinking is this kind of like a bluff to kind of force the council's hand a little bit or is it actually genuine and it just doesn't look like there's enough bloody space in the triangle that's been proposed? Yeah, I've read the council's letter three or four times or even more than that. And there's part of it is, I think it's about the council trying to position themselves to kind of show that they've not rolled over on what the club wants. So they have reacted to local concerns in inverted commas and it puts a lot of pressure on the club to maybe up the kind of investment they might make. I don't think it necessarily means that the plan A Stratford break left side of the road is is dead. I just I think there's something more to it. Um 
because it it does take away the potential of of delivering the wider facilities to that to that area. Yeah, um, like the leisure complex, the ice rink, two yeah, hotels, retail. But, but ultimately, it, it's not that much. It's not that further away from the original site. It doesn't. It still puts the people of Killington who are concerned about it with a football stadium on their doorstep. It's it sort of. I, I'm kind of missing who it really what it really appeases by having it there beyond potential disruption. I don't know some sort of conservation aspect, which I'm sure can be can be managed. So part of me, and then there's the flip side of does this affect the club's appetite because the the revenue streams that we get from around it would surely be less with just a football stadium. Yeah, um, I think Jack, you made a good point about do you sort of have a hotel inside the stadium and all that kind of thing and sort of try to move that on from that. But yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's sort of the meeting on the, is it in January, early January? I think there'll be some quite, I think that'll be quite one to watch. I don't, I don't think this is straight down the line as simple as, oh no, you not that site, but you can have this one and it's a done deal. I, I don't think it's that simple. What are your thoughts, Jack? You were kind of in the place where you were also saying, why is the message from the club so brief? But Yeah, I th- and the thing is as well, I think I'm right in saying that this the triangle, as we're calling it, was part of the plan A plans yeah. anyway. It was going to be where they relocated some of the sports facilities to. So this site isn't suddenly one that's appeared, that's suddenly come out of the blue. All parties involved in this have known this bit of land has had potential for something on it. So the more I think about it, the more it feels like a bit of a a public play to show that and what John was saying, you know, the council need to show they've considered all aspects of opposition um, in favour, you know, every box they have to tick. And certainly the ones that would would have to be ticked if it ever got to planning permission stage at kind of local government and higher than that. Um my main concern is that we're what twenty odd days away from the end of this year. Yeah. Our lease is forever ticking down. The real hope is that Plan C, which will be a ground share because we can't stay at the Consam, is starting to come a bit higher up the priority to yeah. sort out. Someone, someone we're very tight now. Someone did say the other day close to a source to the club that that there's flexibility in the Kassam lease being extended it can't it can't be though because I, it's uh, not it's therefore not as <laughs> black line as you make out is it yeah i yeah i'll tell afterwards the line i kind of there was a line in the letter i didn't also understand maybe you guys did but it said they asked for the council asked for information from the club in March, and then it was provided in November. That's an awful long time for some potential bit of information to make its way across. With it, assuming it didn't involve significant studies or whatever to be commissioned, so that, that line didn't quite add up. It felt like it was being shoehorned in to sort of make a point. Yeah, but well, I mean, if the, if we have got a backup and we can stay sound a bit longer, then fine. But it still needs to be still need to have that sort of point that we're not going to have a this needs to be sorted now or else we won't have a permanent home 
Yeah, I I really hope that there's news in the not too distant future. Yeah, the, um, the other thing about any of these sort of developments is there's always phases. Like they're always kind of there's like phase one of is this element, and then phase two will be this bit. So there might be a bit of a stadium in this bit, and then the second phase is you roll out the other bits further down the line, which might then bring bigger applications. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I think as Jack says as well, this this site can't have come out of nowhere. And suddenly we've gone. Oh, okay, all right, we'll look at that. It's it just doesn't work like that. Um, right. On to the football. Bolton away. This was fun. It's so long ago, but we all went, didn't we? So it's <laughs> nice to kind of think back to one of the wins. But um, Anderson got his. Was that his first goal for the club? I'm guessing. Um, Kieran Brown had that. Awesome effort. And we were kind of right behind it, weren't we? And you just yeah, absolutely barnstormed that in. And then um, the Seddon goal was one of those bizarre, to make it 3-1 at the time, one of those bizarre goals where you just didn't really know it went in. The last time I felt the same feeling was when, um, was it Fosu got his hat-trick goal away at Lincoln in the 6-0, where it just kind of looped over and went in the goal. No one really celebrated because everyone was so confused. <laughs> A similar vibe. It was but. when Joseph was on peak of his powers. Oh, and, he was great, wasn't and he? And you kind of think, well, how how you could have done with him at Accrington and Forest Green and Forest Green, Fleetwood. Definitely, yeah. Some of these Shrewsbury. Well, I know Shrewsbury only got injured, but it would, yeah, it would have been coming back to that whole sort of if some of these were draws rather than wins, possibly Joseph in a couple of games might have been quite helpful. Yeah, it was. It was in, last time we were at the um, when we won two 0 at the Bol- uh, Bolton in twenty sixteen. It's quite a, everyone seems to remember that game. Uh, Where's Thomas and Maguire scored? We had fourteen hundred fans there. We had less than six hundred this time. You're kind of seeing that. I know there's train strikes and stuff, but we had a, not too many at Accrington on Saturday as well. But I hope the the away away fans have been such a big part of Oxford in the last few years. I just I hope it isn't starting to drop off a bit I think uh, a lot of it with some of the clubs that we didn't play for years you get people doing the ground to tick it off so when we played them in 2016 and we hadn't played them for almost 20 years away from homes and no one had done the Reebok yeah. or Macron yeah, University of Bolton Wonderland whatever it's called <laughs> I it's mean last first... last season I, all right, I don't have the hard numbers but it, it felt like it was a strong vibe I mean alright bad example because Chef Wednesday we hadn't played there for 20 years to your point but we went to quite a few games and it felt like there was just a, a vibe in the away end now it's a bit more waiting for something to happen based on where we are as a team as it goes both yeah. ways isn't it yeah you kind of need to ride the wave often the atmosphere in the away end rides the wave of form with the club doesn't it so um things to call out from that game obviously don't want to dwell too much but bait had an absolute blinder it's it's funny thinking back, but that that was he's been kind of on and off in terms of form, but he was absolutely immense in that game. Um, just like Joseph, as you said, and uh, I was I was getting a bit wound up about Odonka at the time um, and in games before and after because I still felt there was all of this hype and pressure just seemingly put on the lad, and um, I don't know, but he has he's done well. He got his goal, didn't he? In the was it the next game at, at home to to Fleetwood? Um, yeah, but I, I kind of looking back at the notes I made during Fleetwood, and there's still some points about 
some of the things we we talked about with him in terms of got to be a bit quicker at times. Doesn't some of his attributes are still not there. It's kind of he harries and he sort of has a bit of a presence, but I mean he's only X, X years old. But I think it's more for me that I don't think he does harry. He's got a very yeah. Dan Agi style body language with how he moves around the pitch. Like it's not a lot of urgency. He's not massively quick either. No, no, he's he's, he's not. But, I think I think what I was trying to get at, he doesn't have that sort of attribute that's top draw. He's kind of, but he's he's been in some of the right places at the right times, and and he's a young lad, and it's it's encouraging. But I think we were all kind of like didn't quite get the sort of new hero cometh kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, not to be me. The guy is still so young. He's got so yeah, yeah. far to go. I think he's one of them that will need that low move, playing more men's football um, to really cement the place. But um, one one thing I can see, I spent a while, you know, as you do perusing Twitter, looking at opposition responses to games. When we beat Bolton, all of the Bolton fans were saying how we just bullied the crap out of them and wanted it more and... Um, yeah, it was just it was lovely to see those types of um, those comments, and it, we haven't seen that type of thing for a while. I even found out yesterday we've got we're winning, we've got the most yellow cards in the whole of League One, which was really? a surprise to me because we're such bullies, apparently. So normally I'd be like, excellent, but then we're not winning games, <laughs> so um, that's not yeah, it's not helpful. Bizarre. Anyway, um, that Fleetwood game, again, was quite forgettable. They scored really early on. Um, it was the one where so Odonka got the kind of scruffy goal, made it one all. Um, we didn't... We, Branigan was just on a mission to shoot from, from everywhere. But um, do you remember... I remember this game just because of Nathan Cooper asking Carl Robinson why um, he put Seddon at kind of right back and didn't play Anderson there and then moved Marcus Brown. I think for me, for me, what was disappointing, really disappointing about this game, is it came off the back of the Bolton form, which was great, and it will get it will get even worse when we get onto Forest Green. But it was basically back to the same old issues. And I'm looking at my notes here, and I could have written these about most a lot of games this season. Like Fleetwood, basically, this is kind of what I garbled Fleetwood into their lines or with ease getting set with ease, not not negative, but not but finding space easily around us. Uh, Bate, Brannigan, McGuane, barely touching the ball, a bit toothless. Brown, a bit toothless. Their midfield dominating the space in front of us. We look slow reading the play, no tempo. Fleetwood just sitting us off, sitting off us. And that's, I would have thought yeah. that's most games. I had de- devoid, devoid of attacking ideas was the yeah. summary thing I put in. Um, then we went to Shrewsbury away. That was the rearranged game, wasn't it? Um, I remember nothing from this game, <laughs> but it was another one all, which is our new favourite scoreline. Jack, anything from Shrewsbury away? Um, we were probably quite lucky to be leading. We conceded a ridiculous goal and then kind of didn't really do it, didn't deserve to win it. A point was probably fair. That's just when Joseph got injured, wasn't it? And arguably a bit of a negative impact since then I think as John was saying to not have his ability around the squad yeah but then we went back to the Kassam played Port Vale at home the old the ex Bristol Rovers boys Bowden and Taylor both got two goals each and 
you're kind of hoping there, John, that's, well, for both of them, you know, coming into form is a massive thing for the side. But again, Taylor's still not quite yeah. there. You went exactly where I was going to talk, that Taylor's dropped off the off the back of that. Um, what I, I think this was the start of where we've seen Anderson really kind of come mm. come alive. He lo- he looked fit and fast, and he did a lot on the ball. I mean, he's don't get me wrong; he gets he's out of position a, f- a few times in games since. I'm not sort of lauding him, but he's making stuff happen more and more. You saw that in this game. Bowden starting to find some form in this game. I think you saw Henry how much of an influence he can have when he's got a proper overlapping fullback that kind of gives him a bit of space to pick out a pass. Yeah, yeah. I did think Port Vale were pretty they awful. Start, didn't they start off quite well? I thought first half they were all right. I can't, I don't I don't necessarily remember that. I just remember thinking like their midfield's basically just not tracking any of our midfielders. So we're getting nice, we're getting the ball in some lovely places that other teams don't let us have the ball usually. Yeah. Um. But, you know, so it was kind of a, this is what we can do if the other team sort of lets us a bit. But if another team decides to shut us down, then we can't do that at home because Port Vale are like ninth at the moment. Yet we're struggling to beat barely any of the teams and call it the bottom 12. Yeah. We've only beaten three of them. So. And then speaking of which, we then have Forest Green um, up at home. And I remember this before the match where they, they were bottom of the league, weren't they? Yeah. Are they still bottom of the league? I don't know. Anyway, they, they definitely were then. Um KR was talking them up no end before the game, and I was just like, "Don't, don't talk them up like too much, because we need to be beating this side." And you're kind of giving yourself a way out, in a sense, because ah, oh, they shouldn't be in this position, and it's like, well, they are, and they're not doing great. You, you watched t- this um, live, so to speak, didn't you? And yeah, I remember your rage levels based on our WhatsApp group were through it's, the roof. It's more, it's as I've, I've looking at my own notes similar to what you've just done but they'd they'd won once in their last 11 league games and they absolutely pummeled us at times in this game especially second, second half, half. Yeah. i could say but this was the game where we should have been out of sight in the first 20 minutes yeah first for well, first six minutes well yeah we 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 had, we had endless chances and i was thinking god this is this is going to be all it, right it'll be like last season where we just won we're three and a lap at half time every home game Oh um, yeah, we, we, we do seem to have reverted into the Oxford United that is, oh God, we haven't taken our chances, this is gonna cost us. And we can you can link it back to I've just one big thing I've scribbled for discussion in a minute is the chance Taylor missed at Accrington at the weekend. Oh, which was bad you said mentioned that. Game, I watched game, that about twelve times. Yeah, which was game set match again. So there's you know, we we talk about those those so many one one draws, but I think in not a lot of those games we should have been more than one nil up well before the other team got back into it. Yeah. There, was a, there was a shirt pull on Henry that I thought was unlucky to not get given. I, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, you sort of you flip your point you made about the second half. That was p- painful viewing just to see sort of how many times they just cut through us. And I mean, the team that's bottom of the league doesn't have to lose every game by default it's not they do they do win some games eventually and they find some spirit but we could have the, the crux of that is yeah repeating ourselves is we should have killed that off and been having a training match for the second half yeah 
exactly that. And they, it was the same theme though about the, uh, it's the uh, the urgency more than like the creative accountability point, which is definitely a thing. It's like who do you turn to across the team to when times are tough to like get that goal. Who's taking accountability there? Brannigan last season was the ones that was digging us out and getting us three two wins in the last minute most of the time. But it's the it's the urgency. It's like why do we why do we wait until last kind of five minutes of the game to suddenly pick it back up and go again? And that's the thing that gets me. I think if you're a better side with more confidence and you're kind of the tactics are in the right place, you'll get you're more urgent to get yourself in the right position to then manage the game more effectively. And that's the thing that was just winding me up. You kind of just don't see the urgency. There's a lot, all that possession flying across the back four endlessly. And um, again, just didn't didn't have the ideas. But we're not scoring many goals, are we? That's 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 the thing. That's the brunt of it in a lot of these games, beyond that Port Vale fixture and what's happened in the FA Cup. Um, so we get to Accrington. Um, after, to be fair, decent... That 4-1 win against Exeter, again, should have been good for confidence. Um, again, KR talking up Aki before the game. like, And I do agree like yeah, yeah, to John Coleman, and it's I all do. great. And they're, they're, they're really making some good improvements to the stadium, like commun- community areas and everything else. But they're not a team competing for promotion, and they're not a team competing with our wage structure. So I know it's a hard place to go on a Tuesday night, but... He also said the pitch was good. So no, he said to himself, there's no excuses about the playing surface. Um, but again, good good start in this. Bate looked pretty good early on. He hit the post as well, didn't he, at one point? Where do you think Bates, where do you think his levels got to? I mean, is it, it feels like it's sort of stepped up a chunk in sort of the baseline. But is has he sort of found his space and role in the team or is he still I still feel like there's a bit of a midfield issue with the three of them in there even though Bate is starting to be that sort of player where you think he should have nice good little touches low centre gravity spin away find suddenly create some space and play better passes but I'm yeah I'd be interested to see what you guys well which in the Bellingham Rice Henderson mould which one is which one's Bate meant to be Jack I'm not sure KR knows what he's wanting him to be, actually. With, with picking that three, I think actually on paper, all of them are similar kind of players and that they want to be driving forward and getting into the opposition half. I thought Bate at both Bolton, obviously, that we were there, I think the Port Vale home game and then Accrington, Accrington on Saturday showed what he's got in his locker, so to speak. He can be very busy, he can affect the game, he can get on the ball, he can pick a pass. But equally, that's what we've been used to Cameron Brannigan doing until he reinvented himself as a goal-scoring midfielder. And it's probably what we thought we might get from McGuane until he's been reinvented as a holding midfielder. So, I, I is, like... Is, is Brannigan a driving midfielder or is he a player that when we're in the attacking third, he then pops up around the edge of the box? Because I, I don't... Well, I swear he's not driving with so the ball. I, I have a very un- undeveloped theory that sort of... And it's not criticising Branning as a player, but he sometimes, he still doesn't, I'm not sure he knows where to, where he fits into a midfield when there's other players like Bate 
kind of around him because he does always seem to be he wants to do everything mm. and i always find when he's pushed further up the pitch and sort of there's players behind him to kind of get hold of the ball keep it ticking over move it around but he wants to come and do that as well he wants to sort of play the pass but be on the end of it at the same time mm. and so i i and you saw it in the aki game he was he was abs- i thought he was absolutely absent absolutely absent for most of the game and it's but then he's obviously scored plenty of times this season he's i wouldn't i'm not saying he wouldn't play him or anything he's an important player in the team he adds so much more than you know his presence is is worth it alone but i think there is at times an issue there there, there is a hab, not a habit but a, a a a common reoccurrence is that often if we're playing the three in midfield or the holding and the two in front of them, there's a lot of times where they end up almost vertically in a line with McGuane the deepest and then two vertically in front of him rather than side by side. Yeah, We'd see it a lot when the opposition counter-attack and we, when we sit and watch the games, you'll go, blimey, where's where's the midfield gone? It's because they've almost been stood yeah, one in yeah. front of each other, yeah. like D of the penalty box, centre spot, attacking D. Um and it's been, to be fair, it's been a thing for a while. Even when Gorin played, when he was the kind of sitting player, you had Brannigan in front of them, you've had Henry, you've had Bowden, you've had whoever. It is a nature of the shape and how we play that our midfield will never be a flat three. And I think sometimes that causes the issue because who is the player who's going furthest forward? If Bates gone, does Brannigan sit? But if Brannigan wants to go, does Bates sit? Does McGuane just not move because he needs to be the, you know, the furthest back all the time? So I think it is, it is a thing that, when it clicks, it looks brilliant. We score goals, yeah. they get involved in the game. But it is it is one of those things you can easily criticise because it is noticeable, especially when we don't play well. I don't think they're doing the fundamentals enough of just kind of, yeah, if one of them goes and the other two fall back. And it, it's not quite saying they're not working hard enough, but at times they're, they're not quite where they need to be because it's going against their natural instincts. And that comes down to the midfield balance point. I just I just feel like that midfield should be bossing games a lot more than we are at the moment yeah it's, it's the it's the Croatian midfield of league one in theory it's weird it is weird that McGuane I don't know he, he obviously went for a patch of game even though performances and results haven't been great he went for a patch of games where he was still running running the show picking the ball up and driving from deep and finding passes retaining possession recycling if he's doing that effectively and Brannigan you know, gets himself together a bit more. I think, like you say, his, his goal record this season has been pretty good, but I don't think his all-round performance has been what what it has been. And then Bay, I still, I don't think anyone still knows what to what to make make of him. But he's definitely had some better better moments, better moments of late. Uh- I would say on Saturday we looked a much worse team once Bate went off. I don't know if that's because. We ended up with kind of Murphy and Bowden on the pitch, and the shape changed a little bit. But um, Josh Murphy all... came on as well, didn't he? Yeah, that's what I mean. And it, it just got because the goal, which we'll talk about no doubt shortly, looks very messy from a positional sense for where all these midfield attacking players ended up, considering we were one nil up at the time. Um, and actually, I wrote another point down as well: is that. Just because we've got five subs doesn't mean we need to use them yeah, all. And it, just... it does feel that some are very, very, very pre-planned at the moment. And I don't think that necessarily helps a team, especially yeah. when you're trying to hold on to a 1-0 away from home. 
I just don't think there's that maturity across the team to be able to cope with making that many changes. But if, um, yeah, I so our goal was good work from Marcus Brown, really kind of won the ball, kind of out-muscled two of their players and then um, created a tap-in for Henry. That was great. As oh, the gate, Did it actually happen, though? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't caught on camera. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the highlights back. It's just like some 50p camera where it's actually there but i know when you're watching the stream it wasn't there was it there was a brilliant there was a brilliant moment like maybe like 10 minutes in where you could almost tell the whoever was doing the camera work would just go oh shit the game's still going to kind of move the camera to catch up because <laughs> he'd obviously drifted off or whoever drifted off and uh it was just like just gold really <laughs> um but he he made that goal, and that was a, that was massive. And then it was getting towards the eighty odd minute, and then obviously the 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 lad who scored for Hamilton had a complete air shot, didn't he? About ten seconds before, and all of our fans get were you know way. And then he picks the ball up. What forty yards out? Forty five yards? <laughs> How far is it to the halfway line? Um, I just I just. I was absolute when I, I was listening to it on the radio, and I just don't think they Eastwood did make a good save about five minutes before, but I think it was still a save he had to make low down to his his right. But um, my God, Jack, like you've played in goal before, and we've seen the the footage from behind the goal. I just don't understand how Eastwood is not saving that. Oh, and I also don't understand why no one was bollocking the midfield. No one seems too apathetic that that goal, that goal had gone in from 40 yards. Like, the, I think I put in our WhatsApp group, Eastwood seems to have a problem where he's got to take a quick couple of steps to get down to a shot from distance. We've seen it in quite a few games. But And the most infuriating thing was that KR then said in his post-match interview, we talked about... Ethan Hamilton, we talked about his left foot, we talked about him having to go from distance. Players knew who was supposed to be closing him down from a second ball off a set piece, off a corner, off whatever, yet I think it's Bowden literally turns away from the ball. So, you know, you shouldn't, unless a player pings one in off the bar from 40 yards, you go, fair enough, cracking effort. Really, you, you expect Eastwood to do better nine times out of ten. But I still can't believe how easy he lined that shot up with no one getting in front of him. I, I, I said it was like winding up an old freaking clock or like one of those <laughs> jack-in-the-boxes thing. It, it was taking that long. It was funny yeah. seeing it from Eastwood's perspective. He might as well have stood there and said... It was It was almost like the kind of drill you do in a training session where the manager says, right, no one close him down, just let him have a go and see what yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh... Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it just felt like there was that build-up to the shot, which is, again why I just can't get over how that's gone in. I, I think that would have been a really good win to just grind that out as well away at Accrington and it just puts to rest this kind of end, I mean, like, this unbeaten run that's not really... We've seen that game tens of times. Be, I'm not accurate a good, a good side, but it, the football is always, always the same. It's kind of simple balls down the side of the centre-backs. It's a lot of clipped balls to the back post and sort of see what happens with the rebound a team full of absolute beasts. I mean they were doing some putting some great tackles in and stuff like that. I'm not sort of saying there's some they're not a they're not a long ball team. They they've got a very obvious style of play that 
it just means you end up having to battle them and that's fine um but yeah i mean i just i mean not even the bounce you think oh maybe it's the bounce that's kind of made it difficult but it really isn't like a saving grace for eastwood at all yeah if you consider like it's a totally different save but like we haven't talked about the save he did at forest green like mm-hmm. that was sort of you know world class and it's so frustrating that he's like sh- close range shot stopping you can't fault him um but shots from range we as you pointed out let teams have lots of shots and two keeper has a serious issue with um saving the majority of them yeah um so that's another one all so we've had one two three four did you not want to rant about the taylor chance oh god yeah (laughs) Sorry, sorry. So that that was to make it 2 0, wasn't it? And I yeah. even I think I even put in the notes because it was yeah, Eastwood, it was like a counter-attack. Eastwood threw it out to Bate. Bate it was... had it to Anderson on the right. Anderson drilled down. Beautiful like cutback. How good was that that cutback was absolutely yeah, it was a... incredible. Like Anderson, it was Anderson everything everything good about the style of play that we try and play and when it comes off it looks pretty brilliant and you should get goals that you go that's a brilliant team goal that's how we play but i i don't know how he missed or what how how we was trying to finish how he didn't hit the touch did you see brannigan's reaction yeah but i think it brannigan what i don't think brannigan was angry that he didn't pass it to him even though he's in space i think he's just angry this like you've got to you've got to score that you're our number nine You've got to put that away. I think he let it come across his body onto his left foot. Was the yeah, the it was definitely left foot. Whereas it came from the right, you know. So you kind of think it's easier to kind of get your foot across it, maybe. But Matty, that that's the thing. Like I just, it does come down to how individuals are performing and moments and everything else. But the and, the mad thing is that he'd scored what the week before that good goal against Exeter where he hit it first time off off the back pass that he intercepted. Yeah, that was a weird goal. And <laughs> Don't know, likewise what's their keeper doing there, but though it's not the game for I mean, we haven't got a choice, but it's not it wasn't the game for Matt Taylor. I mean it's not saying giving him he's a got way a hat out. didn't he score a hat trick there on a Saturday in COVID times. Yeah well, he scored he scored that brilliant volley that Henry oh, kind of that was great crossed yeah. it over to him sort of from the halfway line almost but 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 the point was that game had opened up and there was a lot more space it was kind of this was a sort of a classic you know if you're not kind of getting any hold up play or able to do some stuff from that it's just not for him but that's where someone like if we'd had joseph in the team i I don't think we lose that game Yeah. yeah um in terms of how League One's looking so jack you're making the point if two of two of those draws turned into to wins, then we'd be kind of looking two points off Peterborough in sixth place. But then, if you if you said to the counterpoint, if we let's say that Bolton game we ended up losing, we'd be um, two points yeah, off. Yeah, but I, I think I think the point I was going on is that we'd had chances to win some of those draws, whereas I think most games we've actually got points from, we've deserved points from, apart from maybe Cambridge at the start of the season where we robbed absolutely. I think the first them. three wins were sketchy as shit. Including Burton, and then so that Bolton one was a nice refresher because we had we had a had a great game. Port Vale as well. Um, 
how do you, is there anything going on in that league that's it's shocking you? It, it still looks like there's that group of Plymouth, Ipswich, Wednesday that seem to be running away. Barnsley are, have hit form. We'll get onto them in a second where they've won the last last four games, including a win away at Peterborough within that. Bolton are still... I didn't realise Bolton was still going well as well up there. It's... That's... It's almost splitting into kind of three leagues. I think the t- I mean, the top three are what? Eight clear, fourth? Granted, Barnes have a game in hand. And then you've somehow Liam Manning's still in the job at MK Dons, who are joint bottom effectively and keep losing. And then you've That's got so weird, isn't it? I know yeah. like we feel bad, but what the hell has happened there? And That's then you've nuts. got a, quite a kind of eighth to 18th where there's six points between them. I mean, that's the thing. You only you probably only need to put a couple of actual wins together and you suddenly jump in five or six places. Um, but it does feel like we're very much in the mid-table battle at the minute and we have to win games three, three in a row and based on our upcoming fixtures, that's... Yeah, and John, you were making the point, so I went and looked it up. You were saying we're kind of still relatively close to the playoffs due to the kind of quality of the league in a sense because... Last season, we played 20 games and we were in fifth place on 36 points, which was the same as Plymouth, who were in sixth. And this season, what they're on, Peterborough in sixth place, same amount of games played, 31. So there's a five-point swing there already, which at this stage of the season is actually quite quite a lot. It's quite depressing that we're 11 points behind where we were this time last year already as well. But I, th- I think it's... Yeah, I think it's masking a lot of well, a lot of issues we obviously talk about routinely. I mean, I'm sure if you asked a Bristol Rovers, Cheltenham, Charlton fan, they, they probably might have similar kind of frustrations. But um, yeah, our record against the bottom twelve, let's call it, is is so poor. Um, and then we're about to walk into playing Barnston, three of the top four yeah. before we complete a you know, a full set of fixtures, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so let's get on to Barnsley on Saturday. Are they going to move the kickoff time for this? Nothing's been said. A few games have been moved or were already moved, but it seems quiet from the two clubs for us. Who's playing before us on the Saturday? Because it's Croatia on the Friday. I'm going to meet up with Connor for that in York. That'll be nice. Talk about pod stuff. It's Morocco, Portugal to three o'clock. Ah, nice. Okay. Come on, Morocco. <laughs> um, yeah, so Barnsley on Saturday. I asked um, my mate Paul, Barnsley Paul, season ticket holder there, a bit about how some... Well, I asked him for kind of key players to look out for. And I thought he was trolling me at first because he instantly said Nicky Cadden. And I was like, for fuck, it's just on the, <laughs> the endless Barnsley train of players they seem to have nabbed from us. Who was the other one? Liam Lawrence or Norwood Liam was another Lindsay. one. or Liam Lindsay, that's it. Not Liam Lawrence. <laughs> Showing my age a bit there. Um, yeah, but Nicky Cadden is playing left wing back for them. Um, seems to have been smashing it. A bit of a slow start for them, but he's now firing on all cylinders and has been massively influential in their their play by the sounds of it. He called out Adam Phillips, who I didn't know too much about, um, said he came in from Burnley, um, but really grown into the team, scored a few good goals from midfield lately, a few outside the box. 
So got to watch out for him. And then Devante Cole, who's Andy Cole's son. Um, says Norwood, by the sounds of it, James Norwood hasn't really done had a great time. He's he's one of them that seems quite so kind of slow, lethargic. He's kind of 32 going on 40 type thing, based it's on what Paul was saying. 17 games, three goals, two assists for Norwood, which is... Yeah. Nothing I think we might special. have dodged. It sounds very, and Paul obviously knows all about Sam Winnell, so we kind of compared. There was a few comparisons being made around, around some of that. Um, in how Winnell kind of obviously Winnell had a great spell there, but how it went for him later on, during the time he kind of moved to us. Um, but yeah, Devante Cole apparently, whilst his goal record isn't looking great, and he's already like twenty seven, twenty six, twenty seven years old. Um, he's never really found his feet at. Many clubs had a decent time in Scotland, though. Um, but it's apparently just causing a load of problems up front, regardless, bringing a lot of players into play, amongst other things. So um, he's preferred to Norwood at the moment. So expect him to start. And he's got a few crucial goals for him as well. So he's going to have to be one that Elliot Moore and Finlay are going to have to keep in their pocket. Um, and then the final thing, players-wise, Herbie Kane. I obviously asked him about Herbie. And apparently now he's doing really well. And you won't be surprised to hear that he was saying that he's more of a confidence. He's, they're still seeing that kind of him being a confidence player. If he has a couple of good games, he seems to be a bit streaky. Um, but start of the season, he was saying he kind of looked nervous and quite ineffective, which was what he looked like in their first his first spell with Barnsley before he came to us. Do we know um, where they're playing him? I think he's still in that kind of holding midfield role. He's referenced his kind of dictating play well, gets a lot of the ball, picks up a lot of the back, gets things moving. But it's actually, um, to be fair, if they're playing wing backs, then that is completely, that's probably, the, that is his, a great position for him yeah. to be in. So it's a little bit of a different scenario. So that's going to be a bit weird, isn't it? Seeing him start against us. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame what happened. It's so weird with uh, Herbie Kane, isn't it? You, I was I was saying to Paul like he was an absolute every like week in week out he was running games, and then he just had that sending off away at Lincoln, and then came back and just never got back to that form. And it was just so weird to have such like a moment to kind of change someone's ability to play or their effectiveness on the team. Um. His kind of Paul's prediction was that they'll probably finish around the playoffs, and you kind of kind of see that they've got to win the game in hand and then try and claw back some some space on the the guys above. But yeah, he predicted one all, um, <laughs> which I mean seems like a perfectly reasonable prediction based on where we're at. Um, I shared our form form with him, but any thoughts from you guys? Again, they they seem quite streaky. If you look at their recent fixtures, they kind of went on a, a really a really good run, then lost three and drew one, and then picked back up with another another kind of section of four wins. So they've got the third best away record in the division, and obviously we're not great shakes at home at the minute. So that's that's a slight concern. I mean, this is the, the problem is we don't know what team is going to turn up for us at the minute is it going to be a team that takes the game to the opposition or is it going to be a bit kind of scrappy um at least Barnsley will come and try and play they're not going to they're not going to be a Fleetwood or a Forest Green who you know would snap your hand off for a point before it even starts and sometimes we pull it together a bit better when we're not you know being hassled 
constantly. Yeah, some really weird results in there though. So they in in October they lost to Exeter two nil, Morecambe one nil, and Lincoln one nil. But then they then went on the run where they're winning games that we just couldn't win. Like they're beating Shrewsbury away, they're beating Forest Green at home. Um, they've just as I said earlier, they beat Peterborough away two one. I don't really fancy us against any team that's on a, a winning run of four games at this current moment in time. But it's good to it's see what the, um, what the subs bench looks like and whether oh shit yeah Mister Mister Murphy what? and Wild Shut as well isn't he apparently nearly back? Yeah, he was at Accrington at the weekend, so you'd think he'd be very close to the bench. That would be good, wouldn't it? I'm still convinced if that guy gets fit and stays fit, gets gets some game time, he will be an absolute um, killer player for us. It's just interesting what happens to Marcus Brown, isn't it? Like, kind of what you end up doing. How do you fit Murphy, Brown, and Wildshut in a team? Or do you end up starting to play Brown down the middle or something like that if you want to play them all? Well, I mean, I, I did a bit of a, like, negatives of this recent spell of games and positives from this recent and Brown's form is firmly in the negative column and I know we spent a lot of money on him and he's come back from injuries a few times but if you've got Murphy and Wildshut fit and kind of knocking around then you have to start to say well you come out of the team because he's he's not doing an awful lot in games some of them aren't ideal for the sort of way he wants to play alright you you can flip that around and say yes, but actually in crucial moments he's actually created goals and and actually but the the rest of the play is is just not there. He seems to go go down a haystack an awful lot um, and not create uh, opportunities for others. As it's, well. it's very it's like moment based though, isn't it? He has moments yeah. in games, but it's not performances necessarily, and, it, and it's not and, and it's not allowing the rest of the team to build and get further up the pitch and string possession together and sustain pressure it's it's just breaking it all down the way the way he is play yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens that you'd think when if it, Matty Taylor can still get on a scoring run with the right service and players around him and when you're kind of flooding the box it's just going to be interesting to see how long's Joseph out a while the new year and that I think shit that's that's rubbish, isn't it? I mean, K. I was talking about how he's he's staying with us for his rehabilitation type of thing, so he it's not anytime soon. Yeah. Um, as you said, though, John, like we've got this is going to be interesting to see where we're at um, on after Boxing Day, right? We've got Barnsley um, on Saturday, then Sheffield Wednesday. The week after away, then Ipswich are obviously still flying on Boxing Day. Um, so when we come to Charlton and Exeter, which obviously two more winnable games toward on December 29th and January the first, it's going to be interesting to see where we're at. Well, then the window opens. That's the next big thing, and I mean, in a way, it's like well, we've been fortunate with the rest of the league to be in the position we're in, which is a few results away from not being that terrible. But we've got to get through this spell and that probably tells us where we might be positioned in terms of going into the transfer window. Who could we get in? And equally, who would go out? Yeah. It is interesting that Charlton, just seeing in the notes, Charlton sat their manager, didn't they? They're only one point behind us, Charlton. 
same amount of games played. Who like whose aspirations are? And and they've been where? like, you know, kind of like we have, sort of myriad of up up and down, frustrating results, same old issues. But their manager's not had the longevity that KR has had. It feels like the only difference. Being yeah, I mean, very simplistic about it. We do know he's turned it around before, but the, I think we're getting deeper and deeper into the season, aren't we? Yeah, and it's all ifs and buts, like we said. Let's just—I still think it's there's something there this season. Like, like we said, I think the quality to get into like the fifth and sixth positions in the league. I think there's a there's an opportunity there for someone if they go on a run. I mean, the, these next three games are massive, aren't they? Because we're currently six points off the playoffs. You probably need what absolute minimum four from nine to keep that six points at six. You need more than four from nine to potentially chip away at it. Equally, you could end up ten points off the playoffs by Boxing Day, and anything. Blimey, that's exactly kind of where we could find ourselves. Right? It's gonna it's gonna be interesting, and then the windows open, and then it turns to is the is the kind of way to solve this trying to rebuild the squad. He's mentioned, hasn't he, a left-back and a striker as his priorities already. So uh, yeah. yeah, which... Uh, I, get the left back. No, I know, I don't. Let's not, I, let's not I, go into that. I get the left-back, but I think Kieran Brown's probably been our most consistent player this year. So a left-back's not guaranteed to actually play. So, you know. It would yeah. just unlock a different... It would unlock a there's style. Option. Yeah, there'd be another option. style that we're probably more accustomed to, but... I mean, it's weird that Brown more and Finley. I think Finley's become less error prone. Have been pretty damn good for the yeah. the back. The back four have been pretty good in a weird way for the last most of the spell of this game. Some of it, the goals have conceded are kind of pretty similar in feel. But yeah, I thought it was chaos. Sort of begrudgingly, <laughs> sort of admitted that the question had identified what we all got to scream about, and he's finally gone. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> that that is pretty old. that is exactly what I, I need yeah well there you go right we'll um hopefully going to get to to Wednesday in a, in a week I was hoping the train strikes are starting to do my absolute nothing um but hopefully we can get a reasonable turnout there that was such a great away day it's one of my all-time well, we'll, favorite we'll we'll find it we're, we're getting down there but there are there are other ways um do they have a Christmas market in Sheffield? I feel like everywhere needs a Christmas market these days. Yeah, I think they do. They've got Christmas pubs in Sheffield. Good. All right. Well, maybe see some of you down at a Christmas pub in Sheffield. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll be back hopefully after three wins on the trot um, at Christmas. See you later. Mm-hmm.